Zechariah 4 in your Bibles. Near the end of the Old Testament. The book of Zechariah, the prophecy of Zechariah, revolves around eight prophecies, in fact. These prophecies were given to the prophet, as the scriptures testify, over the course of one night. Now, it was a very busy night for the prophet, as he did see, in fact, eight distinct prophecies, eight distinct visions in this evening. These prophecies were intended, according to the book of Zechariah, to reveal God's purpose for the future of Judah and the future of Jerusalem, as well as to encourage the people in their service to God. Now, Zechariah 4, of course, there's three chapters before Zechariah 4. Zechariah 4 contains the fifth prophecy of the eight total prophecies in Zechariah. This fifth prophecy in Zechariah is directed specifically towards a man named Zerubbabel. Now, by extension, though it's directed toward this man Zerubbabel, it is in fact directed toward the entire nation of Israel. Zechariah's prophecy here finds us in 519 BC, 519 years before Christ. The temple had begun to be built in 536 BC. Following the return of Judah from captivity, we recall, Zerubbabel began the process of rebuilding the temple. He was one of the original men to come back with the, out of captivity, out of those 70 years of captivity in Babylon, and begin to rebuild the temple. Now, as this temple began to be rebuilt, beginning in 536, the affairs of daily life, the things that needed to be done, the farming, the protection, the land, family, distractions <laughs> fell into place. And so by the time this prophecy of Zechariah is given in 519 BC, 17 years later, the temple had yet to be completed. So this is now 17 years after Zerubbabel had begun the temple. 17 years after the nation of Israel had returned from the captivity of Babylon. 17 years have passed and the temple, the foundation which had been laid is still not much more than a foundation. The temple had yet to be completed. Zechariah, the prophet, was called upon by God to stir up the people into action along with a couple other minor prophets. And in chapter 4, he is called specifically not just to stir up the people, but in chapter 4, he is called specifically to encourage the heart of this man, Zerubbabel, who no doubt had been greatly discouraged by the lack of motivation that the people displayed in building the temple of God. Today, this morning, Legacy Baptist Church became an independent Baptist church. We chartered this morning. Today we have come together and committed ourselves to doing the work that is necessary to see the community, the outlying communities, become disciples of Jesus Christ according to the Great Commission that Jesus gave us in Matthew 28. Now, 
there's a lot of work and a great work to be done in Buffalo. And the fourth chapter of Zechariah will help us, will encourage us in the work, but it will also help us in that it will remind us of God's design for not just what His work is, but how His work is intended to be accomplished upon this earth. And that's what we're going to look at this evening. Three needful reminders for us, Legacy Baptist Church, as we minister in Buffalo and in the cities beyond Buffalo. Three needful reminders, three important reminders, three things that we need to keep in our minds as we are ministering individually and corporately in Buffalo, Minnesota. And let's look at them this evening. The first reminder that we have this evening is found in verses 1 through 6. I'm also going to look at verses 11 through 14. It kind of bookends this chapter, and it is this. Legacy Baptist Church must minister through the Spirit of God. As we minister in this area, we must minister through the Spirit of God. The angel that appeared to Zechariah to relay previous visions again appears to Zechariah in chapter 4. Look with me in verse 1 of chapter 4. And the angel that talked with me, so this had been the angel that came to him previously, came again and waked me as a man that is wakened out of his sleep and said unto me, What seest thou? What seest thou? It's a question. Zechariah is seeing something. He's seeing a vision, and the angel asks him, What are you seeing? Notice how Zechariah responds in verse 2. And I said, I have looked, and behold, a candlestick of all gold, with a bowl upon the top of it, and his seven lamps thereon, and seven pipes to the seven lamps which are upon the top thereof, and two olive trees by it, one upon the right side of the bowl, and the other upon the left side thereof. So I answered and spake to the angel that talked with me, saying, What are these, my Lord? Zechariah responds that he sees something, and this is what he sees. He sees a candlestick, all of gold. On the top of this candlestick, he sees a bowl. He sees the seven lamps or the seven lights of the candlestick near the bowl. And he sees seven pipes coming from the bowl into the seven lamps. If you can visualize that with me, a bowl, a candlestick, the flames of the candlestick and coming out of the bowl are seven tubes. One tube to each of the seven lights of the candlestick. So the candlestick had seven lamps. I'll show you, we'll show a picture in just a moment that will help you visualize it, but let's get a little more of this vision before we do so. We continue in the vision and the angel has now asked, knowest thou not what these things be? This is verse 5. And I said, No, my Lord. Verse 6, Then he answered and spake unto me, saying, This is the word of the Lord unto Zerubbabel, saying, Not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit, saith the Lord of hosts. Now, by these candlesticks, as we get to the end of this vision, there's going to be a little more information for us. By the side of this candlestick, there are two olive trees. So imagine the candlestick in the middle. We've got the bowl on top. We've got the seven tubes, one tube going to each of these lamps on the candlestick. And beside this candlestick on either side are two olive trees. Look at verse 11. 
Then answered I and said unto him, What are these two olive trees upon the right side of the candlestick and upon the left side thereof? And I answered again and said unto him, What be these two olive branches which through the two golden pipes empty the golden oil out of themselves? And so these two olive trees standing on either side of the lamps, the lamp with the bowl on top, and then Zechariah saw coming out of these two olive trees, each one had an olive branch. And these olive branches were emptying oil from the olive trees into the bowl, which then the oil was pouring from the bowl through the pipes and lighting the individual candles. Let's go ahead and take a look at a picture. I, I hope this will be visible enough for us. Um, it's, it's a little bit washed out, but this will give us an idea of what we're looking at here. And that's not going to help me out much. Let, give me just a moment. It's a little washed out, but we see two olive trees. Here's our, can, our lampstand, our candlestick with seven lamps. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. The bowl on top and each lamp has a pipe going to it. And then coming out of these two olive trees are two branches that are pouring oil into the bowl. And then, of course, that oil is going from the bowl into each of these candles. Now, I don't normally do this. I'm going to leave this up so that you can visualize it as I'm preaching. But let me just ask you the implication of this. As we look at that picture, as we see oil pouring from the tree into the bowl, from the bowl into the flames, what we are seeing is that these flames are burning the oil that is pouring into them. Somebody answer me, how long will these flames, these lights, continue to burn? As long as there's oil, the lamp will continue to burn. As long as there's oil coming out of the tree, into the bowl, and from the bowl, into the lamps, the lights will continue. Keep that in mind as we continue in our sermon this evening. Now Zechariah saw this vision, but he did not know what it was or what it meant. We read verses 5 and 6 already. The angel replies that Zechari uh, to Zechariah that the vision is a message to this man Zerubbabel, and the message is this at the end of verse Six, not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit, saith the Lord of hosts. Zerubbabel, we've mentioned already, is the man that had returned to Jerusalem after the captivity of Babylon. And he had done so for the specific reason of rebuilding the temple of God. We mentioned already, and imagine with me how discouraging it must have been 17 years later for this man to walk around Jerusalem to look at that temple and 17 years later to see this temple still not built. How discouraging it must have been to his heart to see the work that God has laid upon his heart unaccomplished after 17 years in Jerusalem. Perhaps as Zerubbabel meditated upon his ministry and the work that God had called him to do, 
Perhaps he began to despair a little bit. Perhaps he began to question whether he was the right man for the job. Maybe God should have used someone else. Perhaps he began to wonder if maybe he wasn't strong enough. Maybe he wasn't capable enough. Maybe he wasn't godly enough. Maybe he just couldn't be used by God. To Zerubbabel, God had a message. He showed Zerubbabel the lights of the lampstand. Symbolic through Scripture, as we typically understand lamps on a light to be. Jesus Christ would tell us later on in Scripture that if a man has a lamp, he doesn't hide it under a bushel, but he puts it on a candlestick that it can light the house. He calls us salt and light, city set upon a hill. All throughout Scripture, we see the symbolism of the lamp to be the testimony of God in the world. Jesus Christ would say in John, we, we, we studied in John chapter 1, that Jesus Christ is the light of the world, that men loved darkness rather than light. He is the light, and men live in darkness, darkness being sin, Jesus Christ being truth and righteousness. We saw just last week Jesus Christ saying, as long as it is light, as long as it is day, there's 12 hours in a day, as long as it's day, we can can work, we can operate. He says, I am the light of the world. And so the light of the world being the testimony of God in the world, this lampstand, the lights of this lampstand were kept lit. And as we look at the picture that God is attempting to show Jerubabel here, he's telling Jerubabel, look, the light of my testimony is not kept lit by any human instrument. It's not kept lit by human care or by human interaction. Do you remember in the tabernacle and in the temple when it was built, when it was operating? Every day the priests were supposed to go into that candle in the temple and what did they have to do? They had to trim the candle. They had to get the wicks back together. They had to ensure that the lights on that lampstand never went out. And these priests were responsible to ensure that the lights on the lampstand never went out. And if if the priest forgot to tend the wicks, if the priest forgot to take care of those lampstands to refill them with oil to do all of these necessary things to the lampstand those candles would go out as God shows the picture to Zerubbabel of this lampstand he is showing the steady and constant flow not of Zerubbabel's might Not of Zerubbabel's power pouring into this lampstand, but of the Spirit of God. And God says, as long as my Spirit is doing the work, these lights will stay lit. The oil is the Spirit of God pouring onto this candle. And as the Spirit of God pours into each of those individual lamps, as the Scripture calls them, they remain lit forever. There's no one that has to tend the wicks. There's no man that has the might and ability to see this through because God says it's not by might nor by power, but by my spirit. God wanted Zerubbabel to know that he, God, was the one that sustained his own testimony in this world. The lamps kept burning through his spirit not through Zerubbabel's power, not through Zerubbabel's might, not through his abilities, 
Now, as we consider this message that God had for Zerubbabel, we must understand that the very same message is imperative for Legacy Baptist Church today. We chartered today. We heard a great exhortation this morning to fellowship, to go and tell, to be doing the work of the ministry. But we must always keep in mind that the ministration of the Word of God, both in this group among ourselves, as well as as we go into the world and proclaim the Gospel, must always be supplied. The testimony of our church, the testimony of our lives, must always be supplied by the steady and eternal flowing of the Spirit of God upon us and through us. But there is another important part of this message. Look at verses 11 and 12. We already looked at them briefly. Then answered I and said unto him, What are these two olive trees upon the right side of the candlesticks and upon the left side thereof? And I answered again and said unto him, What be these two olive branches which through the two golden pipes empty golden oil out of themselves? So Zerubbabel says, Okay, I, or Zechariah, excuse me, says, I see this. We've got the lamp, and the lamp is the testimony of God. We've got the pipes coming from the bowl that are pouring oil, and the oil is the Spirit of God. God is telling me that it's not, not the, uh, and telling Zerubbabel and telling Jerusalem that it's not might and not power, but it's the Spirit of God working that is going to maintain the testimony in the world. But what about those two olive branches? Those two olive branches that are coming, the golden pipes from the olive branches that are pouring oil into the bowl. What are these? Now, there's some history here. The angel answers, and notice how he answers the question in verses 13 and 14. And he answered me and said, Knowest thou not what these be? And I said, No, my Lord. Then, he, then said he, These are the two anointed ones that stand by the Lord of the whole earth. Now, this is a dual it's an immediate prophecy as well as a future prophecy that is mentioned here in Zechariah 4. As we look at the immediate, we recognize these two, these two olive branches, these two anointed ones, to be two men that were ministering at this time, in, uh, at, at the, the contemporary time <clears throat> excuse me, of 519 B.C. Excuse me, 519 BC. The one anointed one was the man Zerubbabel. The other anointed one was the high priest Joshua. We understand that from the following, from the continuing visions and from the continuing prophecy. But there is also a prophetic fulfillment of this particular passage that's found in the book of Revelation. Look with me. Please turn with me quickly to Revelation 11. Keep your finger in Zechariah. We'll be back there in just a moment. In Revelation chapter 11, we have the account of two witnesses. Notice verse 3. And I will give power unto my two witnesses, and they shall prophesy a thousand two hundred and threescore days clothed in sackcloth. 
These are the two olive trees and the two candlesticks standing before the God of the earth. And so we see a little bit of a different perspective as each of these anointed ones is seen as a candlestick. But he says these are the two olive trees. And immediately the mind of anyone who knew Old Testament prophecy would have gone directly to Zechariah 4 when they heard that. And so, as is typical in Old Testament prophecy, we see a dual fulfillment where God, as he announces a symbolic representation or a prophetic representation, there is a near fulfillment at the time in which the prophecy was given or soon after, and then a far fulfillment, oftentimes being fulfilled in the time of the tribulation or in the, in the millennial kingdom, which is yet to come. And so there is a prophetic fulfillment as well. But we're going to focus in on the immediate fulfillment. Joshua the high priest and Zerubbabel the governor. Just as Joshua the high priest and Zerubbabel the governor were seen as these anointed ones, we recognize as well that what were these anointed ones doing? If we look at this graphic we have here, we have an anointed one there and an anointed one there. And let's get interactive again. As we look at anointed one number one and anointed one number two, what are those two anointed ones that stand by the, the God of, of the earth doing in this picture? They are supplying, well, I would not say supplying. They're, thank you, very good. They're channeling the oil. The olive trees are supplying the oil. They are the conduits through which the oil is pouring. They are the channels through which the Spirit of God is lighting the testimony of God, lighting the lamps of God's testimony. Now the olive branches, these two golden pipes, didn't do anything except be usable conduits through which the Spirit of God kept the lights of God's testimony lit. But they were still usable conduits. Now, if Legacy Baptist Church ever has been or ever will be a true testimony of Jesus Christ to this community, it will only be through the Spirit of God through us, the Spirit of God in us. But that doesn't mean that we can just sit around and watch and expect that as we sit here and stare at Buffalo all around us, that all of a sudden, God's just going to do the work. We must be usable conduits, clean vessels, willing vessels to allow the Spirit of God to flow through us to empower the testimony of God. If I may put it this way, we must be capable bearers of the fruit of the Spirit. That being said, it's been some time now. Let's see if we can do it. Let's see if we can quote together 
Galatians 5, 19 through 22. We memorized it a little while back now. This is not going to necessarily be easy, but let's try it together. Galatians 5, 19 through 22. We're going to start with the works of the flesh. Let's remind ourselves the works of the flesh and the fruit of the Spirit. I'm going to try to do it without help, and this may be a disaster, but let's do it together. Galatians 5, 19 through 22. Now the works of the flesh are manifest, which are these, adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lasciviousness, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, variance, emulations, wrath, strife, seditions, heresies, and such like, uh, did I miss something? <laughs> Thank you. Uh, envyings, murders, drunkenness, revelings, and such like, of the which I tell you before, as I have also told you in time past, that they which do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance, Against such there is no law. Galatians 5, 19 through 22. Well done. I think your pastor is the only one that really goofed that up, but that's okay. Well done. Galatians 5, 19 through 23. Excuse me. Joshua and Zerubbabel were the anointed ones, not because of their strength or their power, but because they stood by the God of the whole earth. They were not the anointed ones because they were personally capable, but because they were usable vessels through which the Spirit of God could pour, through which the Spirit of God could flow. If Legacy Baptist Church is going to be what we can be for God, each one of us must also be a usable, clean dedicated vessel through which the Spirit of God can pour into this church and into the community. Now, what does that mean? That means, as the Scriptures tell us, we need to be careful to grieve not the Spirit of God and not to quench the Spirit of God, to remove the works of the flesh that we just quoted from our lives, to get them out of our lives, to refuse to allow the works of the flesh to find its root in our lives so that the fruit of the Spirit might freely manifest itself in our lives as we are clean, usable vessels for the Spirit of God to pour as a conduit through our lives. And as we do so, we will see verse 6 come to fruition. Not by might, nor by power, but by my Spirit, saith the Lord of hosts. Legacy Baptist Church must minister through the Spirit. Second reminder this evening from verse 7. Legacy Baptist Church not only must minister through the Spirit, Legacy Baptist Church must overcome through the Spirit of God. Legacy Baptist Church must overcome through the Spirit of God. The activities of ministry through the Spirit of God do not deny the reality that every attempt to spread the gospel, every attempt to spread the testimony of God will face opposition. There is not a ministry on this earth that does not face opposition as it is being faithful to the Word of God. Now, opposition may come from many places. 
Opposition may come from people. Opposition may come from discouragement. Opposition may come from health problems. Opposition may come from confusion, from carelessness, from selfishness, from pride. Regardless of where it comes from, much of this opposition can be great, can be powerful, can be seemingly insurmountable. Zerubbabel was well acquainted with opposition. The people were not interested in the least in building the temple. The surrounding nations did not want the temple to be built. Certainly Satan and his minions were not interested in the temple being built. As Zerubbabel looked upon this task that God had given to him, he saw opposition everywhere. But the very opposition that could ruin the endeavors of a man are counted as nothing before the Spirit of God. And so the Spirit of God, as the Spirit of God poured through Zerubbabel, poured through Joshua to to light the lamps of the testimony of God to the nations surrounding Israel, surrounding Jerusalem, the angel declared in verse 7, Who art thou, O great mountain? Before Zerubbabel thou shalt become a plain, and he shall bring forth the headstone thereof with shoutings, crying, Grace, grace unto it. The question that is asked to Zechariah, to this angel, is this. What were as great mountains? Where are these great mountains? Where are they? Where are the insurmountable obstacles in front of Zerubbabel and in front of this temple being finished? What were as great mountains before Zerubbabel, the angel says, will fall flat as the plains before the power of the Spirit of God as it works in the life of Zerubbabel? What would have been failure, what would have been obstacle, what would have been insurmountable in the life of Zerubbabel to see this temple completed will be nothing but victory as Zerubbabel faithfully allows the Spirit of God to flow through him as a conduit. Legacy Baptist Church will face hard times in its ministry. Even now, as we consider the political and religious climate of this nation, this state of Buffalo, Minnesota, there are seemingly insurmountable mountains that we can see in the future that lay in front of us. Mountains of political correctness loom in front of us. Mountains of general disfavor of religion loom in front of us. Mountains of Christian compromise loom in front of us. Mountains of religious tradition stand in front of us. Mountains of confusion. Mountains of disagreement. Mountains of pride. These mountains loom in front of us, but the Scriptures testify to Zerubbabel that these insurmountable mountains that you face in your attempt to do the work of God and the will of God will fall as flat as the plains as the Spirit of God does the work through you. And the message to Legacy Baptist Church is this. Where the Spirit leads, 
And as Legacy Baptist Church follows the Spirit of God and the will of God, the obstacles are surmountable. The obstacles are will fall flat as the plains. As we submit ourselves to the Spirit of God and are led by the Spirit of God to do the will of God. Number one, first reminder, Legacy Baptist Church must minister through the Spirit of God. Second reminder this evening, Legacy Baptist Church must overcome through the Spirit of God. Third and final point this evening in verses 8 through 10, Legacy Baptist Church must grow through the Spirit of God. Legacy Baptist Church must grow through the Spirit of God. There was, it would seem, a final doubt, a final despair in the mind of Zerubbabel that the angel was going to address to Zechariah for the sake of Zerubbabel. See, Zerubbabel began to work on the temple of God, but perhaps he was beginning to feel that though he had begun the work, somebody else would complete the work. Maybe someone else was chosen to finish the work that he had begun. Maybe God was working through someone else and not through him. Now, to this thought, the angel had another message. Look at verse 9. He says, The hands of Zerubbabel have laid the foundation of this house. His hands shall also finish it. And thou shalt know that the Lord of hosts hath sent me unto you. The angel tells the man Zerubbabel that his hands had laid the foundation and his hands would finish the work as well. Through this, he would know that God had chosen him to do the work and not another. Through this, Zerubbabel would know that God was working through him and had called him to this particular ministry. And then the angel of God asks, excuse me, the angel asks a question in verse 10. Look at it with me. For who hath despised the day of small things, he asks. For they shall rejoice and shall see the plummet in the hand of Zerubbabel with those seven. They are the eyes of the Lord which run to and fro through the whole earth. The angel asks a question to Zechariah for Zerubbabel. Who is it that despised the day of small things? The interpretation of that statement is this. Who is it that despised the very early days of the temple construction? Who is it that looked at the small amount of work that had been done on the temple and said, you know what? That's never going to get done. We're never, we're never going to see that temple finished. Who is it that despised the day when the work was small? That man is going to be amazed when he sees what God is going to do through you, Zerubbabel. That man is going to be amazed when he thinks of how small and insignificant the temple work was when he sees you hold that plumb line on the finished temple and the day that you, your hands, finished the work that was begun. Who was it that was discouraged at the seemingly small amount of progress? These men will rejoice 
when the testimony of God is established in Jerusalem. And so God tells Zerubbabel that though things began small, though things began seemingly insignificant, the people will rejoice when they see the temple built through the Spirit of God. It would not be Zerubbabel's charisma. It would not be his ability. It would not be his management or his funds that would see the temple grow from a foundation to a building. It would be the Spirit of God working through Zerubbabel. Now let's apply. I think the application is exceedingly plain. Legacy Baptist Church is not Pastor Wickler's church. Legacy Baptist Church is not your church. Legacy Baptist Church is Christ's church. It is God's church. From the testimonies we heard even this morning, from the testimonies of those who didn't get to give testimonies, but that I am well aware of, it is very clear that God has laid the foundation for this church. It is very clear that God's hand has made this church come into being. And it should be just as clear to every person in this room that what God has begun, God will build His way and in His time. You and I are not responsible to grow Legacy Baptist Church. You and I are responsible to be the conduits through which the Spirit of God flows, the clean vessels through which the Spirit of God can move in this congregation and outside of this congregation so that the testimony of God can be seen clearly in this community so that the Spirit of God can grow Legacy Baptist Church. Now, does that mean that we can just sit back on the couch with our bag of potato chips and expect that one day we're going to walk into Legacy Baptist Church and find 867 people trying to cram themselves into this tiny little building and say, wow, that was easy. No, it's not going to happen that way, is it? God is the, the Spirit of God is the one who moves in the hearts of people. The Spirit of God is the one who sees people converted. The Spirit of God is the one who sees them accept Christ. The Spirit of God is the one who will lay it upon the hearts of, God, of God's people to join with this work. But it is still a work that must be done through us. God does the work as you actively pursue those who desire to learn about us. God does the work as you evangelize the lost. God does the work as you tell others about the ministry. God does the work as your knuckles are faithful to rap on those doors on Thursday nights when we begin our door-knocking ministry again in just a couple of weeks. God does the work as you tell your co-workers, hey, I've got a church and it's a really wonderful church and I'd love for you to be a part of it. Why don't you come next Sunday? God does the work as we are faithful to be the conduits through which God can do the work. And as we're faithful conduits, the Spirit of God will pour through us and do a work which you and I could certainly never do. And as the Scriptures testify, a work which you and I could not even fathom. Now as we close, let's ask a couple of important questions. How is 
your perspective of the ministry of Legacy Baptist Church? Have you begun to think that this church will become what it needs to be through more might, more effort, more power, more ability? If only we had a little more of someone, if only we had that guy with the charisma, if only we had that extra program, if only we had those things in place, maybe we would grow. Do you recognize that it is only as we are effective conduits for the Spirit of God that God's will will be performed in this community? By extension, are we as a church and are you as an individual an effective, clean, sanctified, set-apart vessel, conduit for the Spirit of God. As we quoted Galatians 5 this evening, 19-23, through 23, do you, does your life, the life of your family, identify more with the works of the flesh or the fruit of the Spirit? Does this church identify more with the works of the flesh or the fruit of the Spirit? Are you grieving the Spirit of God by what you're putting through your eyes into your minds, by what's coming out of your mouth, by where you go, by what you do, by what you think? Are you quenching the Spirit of God and His ability to work through you by those works of the flesh that we quoted this evening? Does your life exhibit the works of the flesh? Are you hindering the ability of the Spirit of God to pour through you? Is there a clog in the pipe that is supposed to be pouring oil of the Spirit of God into the bowl so that it can keep the flames of the testimony of God lit in Buffalo, Minnesota? Is there something gumming up the works does your pipe need to be cleaned from those works of the flesh so that the Spirit of God can pour through you? Are you attempting to minister in your own power? Are you afraid to tell others about Christ because you're just afraid you're not going to do it right? You're just afraid that you're not convincing enough, that you don't know enough that you're not good enough, that you're not knowledgeable, may I remind you that you're not the one that does the work. That you are a conduit through which the Spirit of God pours. That you need to be the voice piece that allows the Spirit of God to plant seeds in the hearts of men and women so that they can be saved. As we minister, as we face opposition, as we grow, there will undoubtedly be many, many things happening in the years to come that we never could have anticipated. But as I stand upon the authority of God's Word as we have looked upon it this evening, I can confidently tell you that there is not one thing in the future of Legacy Baptist Church that God has not already anticipated that God does not already know. And so as we close this evening, let us renew the determination in our hearts to be fully 
yielded to Christ so that His Spirit might work in us unto an effective ministry for Jesus Christ in Buffalo, Minnesota, in Maple Lake, in Elk River, in Rockford, in Montrose, in Waverly, in Monticello, so that the light of God's testimony might shine bright, not because of us, but as the Spirit of God pours through us.